Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined by Gabby Urrutia, and today we are going to break down some scrimmage talk, some scrimmage whispers, and also, quite frankly, address some things that we don't know uh, from the scrimmage. So um, before we get into that, though, Gabby, I do think we need to direct our listeners that are not subscribers to Inside the U yet. Uh, What are you guys waiting for? Uh, But uh, if you need a little nudge to go subscribe to the website, uh, 24-7 Sports is offering a tremendous promo. This is the deal, the best deal of the year 24-7 Sports is going to offer in terms of a subscription deal. 75% off uh, subscription, yearly subscription, which comes out to about 26 bucks for a whole year's worth of VIP info. Um, They're offering this deal right now because it is the 11th 11 year anniversary of 24 seven sports. So again, 75% off comes out to about 26 bucks for a whole year of VIP content, recruiting insider scoop message board, fun, all that good stuff. So again, we appreciate all you listeners, all you subscribers to the podcast. If you want to support the podcast, that's a, that's a good way to do it. 26 bucks. I think you'll get your bang for your buck, just an entertainment value alone from the message board. Um, but again, you also get plenty of recruiting scoop and team scoop, et cetera, et cetera. So last time, 75% off 26 bucks yearly subscription inside the U that deal runs through Wednesday at midnight. So if you're listening to this between now and Wednesday, maybe take advantage of that deal. All right, Gabby, let's, start with some scrimmage talk, right? Miami held their first scrimmage of camp Sunday evening at Monsignor Pace High School. Scrimmage for about two hours, I believe from about 6 p.m. to about 8 p.m. You know, seemed like Miami got some good work in there, uh, ones against ones, etc. I want to break this down, Gabby, into, I guess, three different categories, right? So what we officially know, what we unofficially know, and then what we don't know, right? Uh, media did not have access to the scrimmage. So we didn't get to watch things with our own eyes, which for me personally, it's always tough to talk about this stuff if I don't see it with my own eyes. Um, you know, now I trust people that I talk to that do watch it and all that stuff. Uh, but I just feel most comfortable, of course, when I see it myself and I know what I'm seeing. Um, so just want to say that on the, on the front end. But I will say this, following the scrimmage, right, Manny Diaz and the UM Athletic Department sent out a, a little brief two-minute video uh, with the coach recapping kind of the, the talking points he wanted to release from the scrimmage. Um, so we will start with that in the category of what we officially know. Sound good, Gabby? It sounds good to me, man. All right, so let's start what we officially know. Uh, Derek King, starting quarterback, uh, sounded like he had a good day, 12 of 16 for 124 yards and two touchdowns. Rhett Lashley went on the Joe Rose show uh, Monday morning, so that the morning after the scrimmage said uh, Derek had about four drives, four series of work, I believe 30 plays, and, uh, you know, sounds like in those four drives, he threw two touchdown passes. Manny Diaz also clearly kind of went out of his way to make the point that 
Dierick uh, showed his running ability and, and escape ability. Um, what do you think of that, Gabby, that, that Manny kind of went out of his way to make that point that, hey, once again, knees fine, running around, looking good in that regard as well? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, I think it's exactly that. I think he's just trying to make it a point of just kind of looks like hammer home that point that gear, that the knee is just really a non-issue at this point, that he's able to make these plays. He's able to escape the pocket. He's able to obviously do a lot of things with his legs, uh, you know, things that he's been known for in the past. I mean, obviously turning on the Houston tape, we saw flashes of it last year too. You know, that Clemson game, the UAB game, plenty of games last season where we saw what the Eric King can do on the move. And just to kind of, I think he's just kind of reiterating the fact that, you know, this is like a healthy De'Aaron King. We're going to get a fully healthy De'Aaron King that is capable of doing everything that he's been able to do in the past. And, you know, just continue to sort of just, you know, I think just really just sort of just like pound that into the fan base. Like he is okay. Again, he's not wearing a brace, not doing anything like that. So right. I think this is many ideas again, just trying to really help people understand, like, stop talking about this as an issue like the king is if it really just sounds like he's a hundred percent at this point i also think too sending that message to alabama right so yeah oh definitely get prepared for a Derek king that is a dual threat that uh, can be difficult to defend because he can buy time with his legs or take off and run at any time uh right and you mentioned it you know Derek, of course day one he said he wasn't going to wear a brace um he wasn't wearing a brace during the scrimmage. Um, he was wearing his compression sleeve on that knee, uh, which again, just shows the confidence he has in that, in that knee and kind of where things are at with that. So, you know, we continue to say it's really a non-issue to be honest from everything we've seen and heard. And that, that is the case, right? So Derek, unless you knew, uh, he had ACL surgery in December you would not know otherwise, right? He looks totally normal, totally fine out there. Um, the other, the next, what we officially know point, I think to touch on is Charleston Rambo, right? Had an impressive one-handed catch, a uh, beautiful catch that the Miami athletic department captured in a photo uh, and released it to the public. Uh, impressive little snapshot. That is an example of the talent level that he can bring to the wide receiver core. Uh, I guess, you know, he finished with 60 yards. Um, you know, again, I just think it shows that the depth and talent is better at, at receiver year over year. Um, what did you make of that play Gabby? And, um, you know, just the one handed snag, pretty impressive, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it shows that, you know, again, we, we got we got some playmakers at wide receiver, you know, Miami. I mean, Derek King's going to have weapons again. Like, you know, we saw obviously what him and Mike Harley were able to do last year, but it felt like sometimes outside of Harley, it was like, you know, where else is he going to go? And it feels like there's a true big play threat with Charleston Rambo, a guy that's going to be able to, you know, make these spectacular catches, you know, just kind of have that extra gear, just sort of have that, just like that playmaking ability to, you know, sort of be a, just another, another primary option, just another guy that, that De'Aaron King can feel comfortable going to that's not Mike Harley. I think that's big to know that, you know, you do have that home run threat and someone outside of Harley. Again, I know, David, you've talked about it a bunch, the top returning slot receiver in the nation. Just, again, a guy that you can throw on the outside or, you know, line up next to him that could be just as much of a threat at his best. So, um, you know, I definitely think that's a positive sign that Charleston Rambo was able to make a big play like that. It looked like Tyreek Stevenson was in coverage. Mm -hmm. So you, again, you like to see your best going up against, uh, against the best, you know, they are roommates, which we found out this week, or at least I found out this week and, uh, to see them sort of going at each other, you know, obviously probably one of the top defensive players, one of the top offensive players sort of going at it like that, I think is a, is a good sign of just that competition, that back and forth that you sort of, that many of these has talked about of just like that back and forth constantly of the offense and the defense sort of just going at it like that. So uh, definitely good to see Rambo making plays and uh, you know, just sort of having those big one head catches that, you know, could really win a game for Miami at some point this year, you know, if you're able to do that in a, in the right situation. Yeah. More to touch on with Rambo later in the what we unofficially know section of the podcast. So uh, keep that in the back of your head. But let's move on to what we officially know. Uh, the freshman receivers, Gabby, had productive days. 
Uh, Jacoby George, seven for 127 and one touchdown. Romello Brenson, four for 73. Brashard Smith, a couple of catches for 30 yards. Um, You know, I think matchup wise, this shouldn't be too surprising when you understand the context of, you know, they're essentially going against the third team defense, right? And I don't say that to um, undermine kind of what they did. I think it is a good step forward in terms of, you know, you have to go out and produce against whoever you are going up against, right? So that's a good sign. And I think too, it caught the attention of, of the coaching staff, Rhett Lashley on Monday morning was Frank and saying, look, we need to start getting those guys looks with the first and second team, seeing if they can also perform against the first and second team defenses. So, uh, you know, I thought it was a good sign for me that the main takeaway there, Gabby is I like that they are freshmen that are already kind of producing and impressing at this level. And they weren't early enrollee freshmen, right? So they just got here in may to me, that kind of speaks to the talent level, uh, of that group and, you know, whether or not they get on the field. In the first month, I'm not sure. I would probably bet against it, but I do think um, I do think we will hear more from them, you know, from game six on of the season, right? So you gotta you gotta give them some time to get acclimated to the college level. They're definitely doing that um, rather swiftly so far. You know, arriving in May, already making plays in August, so that's a good sign. Um, but overall, I, I just take that as it's good to see them making plays when they should make plays against third teamers. And now we will see what they can do in scrimmage two when they start getting looks against the first and second teamers. Yeah, I think another thing is that like these are also I mean, if you if you count out like Ja'Cory Brooks, who ended up playing a senior year at IMG, like these are like the three top wide receivers in South Florida that, you know, all right. ended up on your campus. And so just, I think it's kind of like that reaffirmation of like, they are who you sort of thought they were. And again, they had never really got eyes on these guys. Like, you know, like Rob Likens had never met Jacoby George or Melo Brinson until like, you know, they got on campus, you know, like these are guys that, you know, these are guys that they didn't really, they weren't able to fully evaluate in person, but just kind of, you know, obviously guys that they knew were talented and just sort of that, again, that affirmation that, you know, these guys really were, I mean, this is what happens when you get the three top playmakers from South Florida and transition them to the university of Miami. Like you expect to see them making plays early on. So it's good to see that they're actually doing so in these scrimmages. And, you know, we've seen it before freshmen make major impacts here. Again, not saying that any of these guys are maybe if they were early enrollees and had more time. Um, But, you know, as summer enrollees to see these guys just already making plays and already getting sort of that recognition from the offensive coordinator to say, Hey, we kind of got to see if these guys are going to be able to contribute like right now. Um, I think is a a positive sign towards, you know, where those guys are trending in their development so early on. I'll admit, you know, when we were watching, so the first two practices, right, which were in shorts and shirts, um, to me, the one who was flashing the most of the freshmen, right, um, in those two practices was Jacoby George. And I'll admit, like, I was kind of surprised by that. You know, I was a fan of Jacoby but I thought Romello and Brashard were both better players um, and honestly had body types better equipped to transition to the college level quicker, right? Um, are you surprised that it seems like, and again, I think they're all good. I think they're all right there in terms of being able to contribute this year. Like, I don't think it's like a huge difference between them but it does seem like maybe Jacoby might be the one who emerges from that group as, as the guy who might get the first opportunity. Does that surprise you? I mean, it, it doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, I feel like with Jacoby, I feel like there's a lot less of like the verified stuff, which makes Brashard like, you know, that much more intriguing, you know, with his speed and all that stuff. But I mean, just watching Jacoby George operate in person. I remember the first time I ever saw him was at an Under Armour camp. The first recruiting event I ever went to, he makes like this crazy one-handed catch in the end zone. And then right. me and Andrew went to go watch him against South Plantation. And I mean, he has like three or four touchdowns, makes a ridiculous like circus catch in the corner of the end zone, like basically like returns a punt for a touch. You know, he does a lot of things where it's just like, man, this kid could really move around. 
he moves around. He's really smooth. Like he operates just like, I, I don't know if that like makes sense, but it makes sense to me. Like he's just really, he just looks very natural running around. So, right. you know, in hindsight, like seeing him perform the way he is now, like looking back, sh- like isn't as surprising as maybe as it should be just because again, you look at the Romello Brinson and the size, the six foot two, 185 pounds, you know, checks all those boxes. Rashard Smith, the sort of do it all guy, four four one speed, checks all those boxes. And Jacoby George sort of became that guy that's like, you know, obviously we believe he's good. He's a four star prospect. Right. You know, the industry was high on him, but he kind of felt like the third wide receiver in that class. But re- in reality, like you know, this is a kid that was you know supremely talented, make, made a ton of plays as a junior, as a senior, and was really highly coveted by you know like a lot of programs, you know, throughout his recruitment. So. You know, to see him doing this now, it's like, you know what? It actually kind of does make sense. But, um, you know, again, like w- when you talk about David, I mean, on the surface, you never really thought it was going to be Jacoby out of those three to be the guy to make an impact right, this right. early on. Yeah, Jacoby just seems like he's a he's a guy who finds a way to make plays, right? Yeah. Um, and in those first two practices, like the thing that stood out to me that he was doing, he was he was very good at high-pointing balls on the sideline, right? kind of those contested catches that Miami's been searching for um, the last couple seasons. So we'll see if, if he can do that when he gets his opportunities with the first and second team offenses. Um, next couple things that we officially know coming out of the scrimmage have to do with defense. Manny Diaz didn't uh, release very much information at all about the defense, which let's be real, probably by design um, in terms of, not wanting Alabama to know very much, uh, but he did highlight weak side linebacker Keontre Smith, who had four tackles, one sack, one pass breakup, and he did highlight veteran defensive end Zach McLeod, who he said had a big sack near the end of the scrimmage in kind of a, a third and long, it sounded like, situation. So, number one, Gabby, what do you make of just not much information defensively being released? <laughs> And what do you make of the information that was released pertaining to those two guys in particular? Yeah, I, I think this is just Manny Diaz having control over his unit. Like you're really asking the defensive coordinator these questions and the head coach at the same time. So I think he is keeping that close to the vest now that they're sort of probably in a way rolling out some sort of different type of defense or whatever it is, or just kind of keeping that close. I mean, I feel like offensively at this point, you sort of know what you're going to get with Miami, you know, just based off what Rel Ashley has been able to put on tape and, you know, D.R. King. So I think this is Manny Diaz's way of trying to keep some stuff a little bit secluded. Uh, I was, I was happy to hear about Keontra Smith. I mean, I know he, when David, when you asked him about the linebacker situation, you know, he said it felt like a race car where like people were just like noses ahead of each other. It feels like, him talking this way about Keontra Smith is his way of sort of letting us know how that weak side linebacker uh, race is sort of going at this point and how it could potentially be him. Again, maybe that's me reading a little bit too much into it, but I don't know if he would talk about Keontra in that way. If like, you know, he wasn't feeling good about, you know, his performance in terms of starting for Miami. Um, And then Zach McLeod, again, I mean, just a guy that, you know, just a veteran defender, obviously switching positions. So just kind of highlighting the fact that, you know, maybe he's going to be able or just be like sort of like that, maybe that third down pass rusher type where he's going to be able to, he's able to just put his hand in the dirt and get after the quarterback, you know, just kind of coming around, making that transition. So not taking too much away from it. Again, I think that's by design, but those are just a little bit of the tidbits where I was just like, Hey, maybe this, maybe this could be that. Yeah. And I think I agree. Like typically like just dealing with Manny since what 2016 dating back to when he was a defensive coordinator, he really doesn't blow smoke. Like he, he doesn't praise guys when yeah. they aren't good. Right. So in particular, the Keontre praise, you know, there probably is something to it, right? Like he yeah. probably did play well in Manny's eyes in that scrimmage. Zach McLeod to me, that's probably like more of a attaboy, you know, everyone yeah. likes Zach McLeod. Everyone wants to see him be productive in this new role. And he was when he had that opportunity. So Uh, Those are kind of my takeaways. So let's move on to the next category of kind of what we unofficially know coming from the scrimmage. This is more just whispers kind of stuff that that Miami didn't necessarily officially release um, after the scrimmage, but stuff we're kind of hearing, right? And again, we did not get our own two eyes on the scrimmage. So 
maybe take this with a grain of salt, but this is kind of the stuff we are hearing happened out there in the scrimmage. And let's start with Charleston Rambo, Gabby, and we started with praising him, right, for that uh, very impressive one-handed touchdown catch. Um, but we also heard, and quite frankly, Rhett Lashley hinted at this. Like, if you know this happened, Rhett hinted at this on the Joe Rose show when he was asked about Charleston Rambo. He basically hinted that he, he talked about it being a problem for the wide receiver group as a whole, which it kind of is, but really he was talking about Charleston Rambo, I guess had some drops, right? Some catchable passes that he did drop during the scrimmage, um, which to me is out of character from what we've seen and the little bit that we've seen out at practice, right? He's not a guy that really drops very many balls out in practice. So uh, hopefully it's just kind of like a one-time issue. Um, but it is a problem with the receiver group, again, dating back to last year. It's something Miami wants to move past this year with this, you know, new look wide receiver core. So uh, disappointing to hear that uh, with, with Charleston Rambo having some drop issues, I guess. Do you have anything to add there with that? No, I think you covered it. Yeah, I think it's just disappointing. You know, you never want it to be like that. You know, everyone's obviously really high on him. And again, he does have that playmaking ability, but you also don't want to hear that those drops because I feel like that'll catch you real quick, especially with this fan base that's just like completely over this drop situation and just like sure. that's sort of like plaguing the room. So hopefully it just like balance. Hopefully we just get more of the, one-handed touchdown Charleston Rambo than the, you know, the drops Charleston Rambo. So, yeah. And yeah. again, I haven't really seen that out of practice much with him. Have yeah. you? The drop stuff? No, no, I have. I've seen it from a couple other guys, but Charleston Rambo hasn't been one of them. I mean, I've seen him make a bunch of chunk plays and, you know, right. sort of be a, a go-to guy. So, I mean, hopefully it's a one-time thing. And unfortunately it happened in a scrimmage or we heard it happened in this scrimmage. Um, so so, yeah, I mean, that's probably my take on that. Yeah, he has a chance to bounce back in scrimmage too, right? So uh, next thing we heard, Will Mallory scored a touchdown. Um, to me, that's just a good sign because he does need to be more of a red zone threat this year. Um, he had four touchdowns last year. You'd like to see that number get to the six, six to eight mark, kind of at least, in my opinion, with Will. I think his length, his running ability – he can be a, a big time weapon in the red zone. So it's good to see that. Anything else there? No, not really. I think we can move on from that. Art Pope, I guess, had a nice chunk play. Anything to add there? No, good to see. Good to see. I mean, definitely didn't hear much about drops from him. So that's a, it's good to see him sort of make those plays. And then I just heard in general, you know, the offensive line played well, which honestly just lines up. Um, with kind of what we've seen all fall camp, right? I think the offensive line's done a really good job uh, giving the quarterbacks time, particularly the, the first team offensive line. I think the second team offensive line's been solid as well. Um, but I guess that was kind of more of the case during the scrimmage, which is good to hear, which just transitions to the next big picture point, Gabby. And I know you kind of have more on this, but generally speaking, heard, you know, kind of the, the, th the word coming out of the scrimmage was that the offense won the day. Do you have anything to add there? Yeah. I mean, I talked to, I talked to someone in, that, you know, in Coral Gables and they, from what I understand, you know, that person, you know, felt like the offense took that next step in, in the scrimmage, you know, they're saying at points, you know, throughout the fall that maybe, you know, the offense wasn't exactly maybe where they'd like it to be, but, you know, really, really turned it up in this scrimmage. It does feel like the, the offense was the group that, I mean, at least the side of the ball that won at this time, which, which you want to see, you know, I feel like this is going to be an offensive focused team. You want to see the offense sort of take care of business there. And, you know, there's definitely people in Coral Gables that are feeling good about what they saw from the offense as a whole um, on Sunday. So I think that's a, I think that's, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say this, like I, so I think the flip side would be, okay, what does that mean about the defense? Right which yeah. I think is, is fair because that's always going to be the give and take of scrimmage slash fall camp. Um, my early read on this, right. I, I think it is a sign. Like I've kind of been pounding the table in this regard, all fall camp. I think this offense is going to be pretty good. 
I think it has a chance to be very, very good. Um, and, you know, that's to me, the scrimmage performance was just another indication of that. Typically, scrimmage one of fall camp, the defense is ahead um, just because, you know, the, the, uh, there's a lot of choreography on offense. There's a lot of timing on offense and, and it can take some time to get on the same page as a, you know, with an offense, this offense seems to be hitting the ground running, which makes sense because they returned so many, so many guys, uh, so many veteran guys. And so, you know, I think they're just clicking right now early in camp, which is a good sign for game one and beyond. Um, so to me, I kind of view it more as I think this offense is just really, really good rather than I don't think the defense is good to me. Like I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here, but to me, I think that this defense, I think it can be good enough. I I'll just say this. If you're expecting this defense to be like the 2018 defense, I think that's extremely unrealistic. Yeah. Um, I would, I would say expect this defense to maybe be, a little bit better than last year. And I think if that's the case and this offense takes the type of jump I expect it to take, Miami's going to win a lot of games. So anything to add there? No, I think you, I think you covered it all there. So let's transition to, to just some defensive stuff I heard. You know, I heard the linebackers were fine. You know, I couldn't really get much at, besides that. Just nothing, nothing spectacular really, but nothing terrible. Um, defensive line, I heard actually did a good job of generating some pressure, but, you know, like Derek King was very elusive and, you know, made things difficult in that regard. Um, you know, overall, I, I think the defense was solid, but to me, one of the, the big things that was disappointing, I guess, defensively was the lack of playmaking, um, weren't very, very many plays being made on that side of the ball. So we'll see if that changes in scrimmage too. Now let's move on to the next section, Gabby, kind of what we don't know, right? Uh, these are just, you know, on the front end. I do think it's, it's worth acknowledging that Miami is kind of in full-on Bama paranoia mode, which I think is fair and, and rightfully so in some ways. They don't want to give much info out at all right now that might help Alabama in any way. And you know, I get it. I respect that. So I do think there are some questions though, that we don't know the answers to, uh, from the scrimmage. And to me, that starts with how limited were some of the key players, you know, some guys we kind of knew were, uh, limited going into the scrimmage, Zion Nelson, the left tackle, Cameron Harris, the, the lead running back, Sam Brooks, um, you know, I'm not sure how much those guys played in the scrimmage, if at all. Um, and I would say it's more so like, I don't think it's a serious injury type thing where they're going to miss the Alabama game. I think yeah. it's more so a situation where let's keep them fresh. Let's, let's, you know, these are our key players. Uh, let's not risk any further injury period to these guys. And, and honestly, Alabama, in their first scrimmage, if you, if you read about that, they did similar things. They held out their left tackle. They held out a bunch of guys that they know they can count on. They know our top guys, quite frankly, they know that they're guys that they can't lose the drop off from them to the next, next player at their positions, a steep one. So, uh, I have questions with that. What do you think? Yeah, I'm pretty sure like I haven't confirmed it. I'm not reporting it, but I'm pretty sure like Cameron Harris did not play. Yeah. I think that's the same can be said of Don Chaney Jr. The running back who, you know, I think is, I don't know if he's going to get cleared for the Alabama game. We'll see to me, that's going to be close. Uh, Cam Harris. I think if the Alabama game was today, he'd be playing um, Zion Nelson. I I don't think he played, but I could, you know, that's just the vibe I'm getting. I don't know. And then also too, like, I don't, Mike Harley wasn't dealing with any type of uh, limitations or anything leading up to the scrimmage, but I just found it interesting that he wasn't highlighted at all 
in, in the stats or et cetera, et cetera. So I am curious, did he play? Did he produce? I'm just curious in that regard on Mike Harley, anything else to add there in terms of like guys maybe missing that, that you're curious about from the scrimmage? No, I think, I think you, you, you nailed basically everyone down there. So I mean, Mike Harley, I found, I found it interesting, but I mean, I, I'm assuming he didn't play because I feel like Harley's usually one of the first people you hear about, especially out of Manny Diaz's mouth. So again, yeah. not reporting that, but just maybe taking a guess there that Harley and limiting guys, there. limiting guys in scrimmages like veterans that you know about is becoming more of a thing in college yeah. football. So I just think it's worth understanding. Like you, that. It's like you watch the first preseason games. Like I was watching some right. football, and it's just like a lot of these guys, even some of like the top first rounders, like aren't playing you know like things like that where like you're the guys that you know what you're gonna get out of them there's no point in throwing them out there and risking anything especially with so much at stake with a team like Alabama coming up and then the last thing like what we don't know out of the scrimmage right rushing stats in general um you know it is a huge key on both sides of the ball this year in terms of areas that the team wants to improve the offense wants to get much better at, at rushing the ball consistently, eliminating tackles for losses allowed. Uh, the defense, obviously, after that North Carolina performance and other performances against talented backs as well, wants to be better at containing the run. Manny Diaz did not release any rushing stats of any of the running backs. Um, I can't get any answers as to how the run game went, quite frankly. I don't know if you did, Gabby, uh, the people you talked to, but I do think it is a significant what we don't know about the scrimmage. And again, this is by design, right? They, they don't want this information out there uh, because the Alabama game is getting closer and closer with each passing day. Um, so what, it, what do you make of that? Just rushing stats in general, what we don't know, what do you think it means? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think one, I think it could be just more of an indicator again, just assuming that, you know, Don Chaney, Cam, Cam Harris were really left off. Uh, maybe Jalen Knighton just didn't have that big run. That was just super notable. Maybe they were just intentionally just not talking about the running game. Um, you know, one, one little thing I did here is that, you know, Cody Brown is showing some flashes in terms of just like okay. between the two, the two freshman running backs, you know, Thad Franklin, Cody Brown, obviously two four-star guys that came in. When we were at practice the other day, David, I guess it was Thursday at this point. Right. Uh, we did see Cody Brown getting those quote unquote second team reps, but it would really be probably third or fourth team reps if both guys are healthy uh, over Thad Franklin. So I think that was an indicator of that. But, uh, you know, I've continued to hear that Cody Brown is another guy that's sort of impressing. So, again, probably not a guy that's going to contribute a ton, especially if Cameron Harris, Don Chaney, and Jalen Knighton are all healthy. But you know, that might be a plus to sort of just like see how that running game is sort of going maybe long-term wise at this point. Yeah. And it could have been a situation too. Like if Cam Harris and if Don Chaney were not a full go in the scrimmage, it could be a scrimmage where they just decided to go pass heavy. Right. Yeah. So it's worth keeping that in mind as well. So let's take a break now, Gabby. And then after the break, we'll kind of spin it forward and talk about maybe what we hope to learn and some big picture thoughts here as we get into the second week of camp leading up to the second scrimmage that'll happen in about a week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we're back. Gabby, let's just, 
let's start here, right? So we kind of have week one in, of the of fall camp in the books, essentially, with the first scrimmage uh, done, right? So that's the starting point. What what do you want to learn about this team moving forward during the second week of camp? Yeah, I mean, I feel like Manny Diaz sort of hinted at it during his press conference. I want to see someone just kind of like kind of take over at linebacker and just sort of really establish themselves there. Um, I know that's the position that kind of feels like the weakest at this point. I mean, I, I want to co- I, I want to feel better about that. I, I want to feel at least a little bit better about that position moving forward. Um, I want to see maybe Keontra Smith lock up that weak side, you know, after a big scrimmage, you know, let's see what sort of happens in the middle with Corey flag, but I would like to, I'd like to feel better about the linebackers, um, and just sort of, just sort of see who steps up there, you know, on to, you know, we're going to get a viewing period on Tuesday and on Thursday. So just, you know, by, by the time we wrap up on Thursday, I hope that we're talking about like, you know, this guy really is seeming to come on at linebacker. And it seems like, you know, I would just like to feel a little bit better about that. Let me ask you this, right? Two-part question. First part, what linebacker duo intrigues you most? Uh, Middle and weak side. So that's the first part. Second part, what linebacker duo do you expect to see game one against Alabama, you know, as the starters? Yeah, I would say... I mean, to answer the first part, I mean, I'd probably be most intrigued by Keontra Smith and Corey Flagg because it does feel, I know, David, we talked about it. It kind of feels like it's like those two duos. It's like the Corey Flagg, Keontra Smith, and then it's like the Wayman Steed and Bradley Jennings. And right. so to see, like, I would probably lean just towards the younger guys. I feel like, you know, Bradley Jennings and Wayman Steed, I feel like they could still provide a lot of help off, you know, just like from the team, just in general, like from a depth standpoint, like it doesn't, I would probably, I mean, I kind of expect to see Corey flag and Keontra Smith at this point. I don't know. Cause then you have like the experience on the other hand. So I, right. I feel like I don't even really know what to expect at this point. Like I, that's why I'd like to see the younger guys just sort of take it. Like I'd like to see Keontra Smith, take it. I'd like to see right. Corey flag, take it. But um, you know, I feel like it's still sort of up in the air. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Bradley Jennings and Wayne Steed, honestly, just based on the experience and, you know, that matters in a game like this, you know, against Alabama on a huge stage to have like two young guys just going out there rather than two seasoned vets. Um, so I, I could see it going either way. But I mean, honestly, at this point, I would probably lean towards the Corey Flagg, Keontra Smith with, you know, a, pro- a pretty regular rotation, maybe bringing in the vets. Yeah, I think the way you phrase it is is fair and, and the way it's going to go, quite frankly, if Keontra Smith and or Corey Flagg don't significantly show that they are better than uh, Wayman Steed and Bradley Jennings. My guess is Ty goes to the veteran. Yeah. And so I think unless those younger guys are clearly better, we're going to see Bradley Jennings and Wayman Steed as the starters against Alabama. So we'll see how that goes. I think it's worth noting too, Sam Brooks, right? There's a lot of Sam Brooks buzz out there because, you know, he is back out there practicing. He's fully dressing out. Manny Diaz said he expects him to be a full go by the Alabama game. You know, from what we've seen so far, right? I I think he's still kind of far away in terms of the Alabama game. I don't think he's going to be in the mix for Alabama just from a physical standpoint, it seems like he's still kind of working his way back. Um, and quite frankly, like when we've watched practice, Sam Brooks isn't working with the first or second teams, right? Um, yeah. Now, if that changes, yeah, let's have a different conversation and let's include Sam Brooks in that conversation in terms of projecting that position for the Alabama game. But to me, I don't know if Sam Brooks is in the mix from what we know right now uh yet do you agree with that like should we be thinking sam brooks is in the mix for game one to be a game one starter against alabama yeah i don't think so i just don't think we've seen enough like you know with like what, you're, what you've been saying i feel like we've seen a lot of again the Corey flag keontra smith or the bradley jennings wayman seed sam brooks hasn't really been a guy that's really been a part of like that rotation at least up to this point again we can see on tuesday and thursday if uh, you know where he's sort of lining up and if, if he is back and he starts trending that way, where they sort of, you know, 
place him in terms of just like what group he sort of runs with. But uh, yeah, I don't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put Sam Brooks in that, in that conversation quite yet. So for me, the, the thing I'm look, I want to learn about the team during the second week of camp, same side of the ball, but I want to know about the pass rush, particularly right. The defensive line. Um, I guess I've kind of like, I think your linebacker um, position, you know, wanting to know what they are, I think is fair. I think me, like I've resigned myself to just kind of the linebackers are what they are. Um, And so when I look at the defensive line, you know, particularly at edge, there are questions there, right? Yeah. But, but at the same time, I do see potential answers. I see upside uh, there at that position. Um, I don't think it's there yet, but you know, I think there, there are guys there that can be impactful players and so I am curious if, you know, DeAndre Johnson, Zach McLeod, Jafari Harvey, Chance Williams can be a edge rushing uh, do rotation that is up to the Miami standard. Because I think in some ways, athletically, you know, particularly Chance and Jafari are there. Like they are very impressive athletes on the edge. Um, the other guys are more your kind of crafty types on the edge. Um, so I am curious, just are they ready to be impactful players? Because that's such an important key to this defense, getting opposing offenses in third and long situations and letting your athletic edge rushers get after the quarterback. Now tackle, I think the tackles could potentially help the edge rushers this year, Mm -hmm. because I do think there's depth and talent there returning. Um, and so overall, I just want to know what does the pass rush look like? And, you know, in that second scrimmage, quite frankly, like I do think the offensive line, Miami's offensive line is going to be good. So quite frankly, in that second scrimmage, I want to hear Miami's defensive line got after the first team offense and made things difficult. I want to hear that. So I think that'd be a good sign for this defense and team moving forward. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean... I just think it's, I just think, I mean, that's been like, I feel like that's been the teams like bread and butter, you know, like the defensive line getting after the quarterback. I think you kind of hope that Jess Simpson really just sort of brings that pro mentality where like, you know, these guys are really able to develop. I definitely want to see a couple of, I mean, man, how big would it be if Chance Williams is able to like really be that guy? Like that would be so big for, for Miami. And I feel like that's sort of been like an underrated thing in terms of just like, you know, when did, when was the last time Miami really came into the season where we're like with like a sure fire, like pass rusher, like this is like the guy, I feel like Joe Jackson really. Cause like Greg Russo, like that year that he blew up, like no one was really talking about Greg Russo as like that right. guy, like heading in, like he missed a lot of the spring. He was sort of injured. And then he just sort of like blew up. Well, didn't even start or anything like that. Right. And then after that, it was Jalen Phillips. And it was like, yeah, obviously the number one overall player, but like, who was he really? Like he hadn't played football and like, two years and then he became that guy so I feel like there's always sort of been those question marks and there's always been that guy that just sort of like steps up and like if that could be a Chance Williams man if that could be a Javari Harvey or potentially both of those guys like that would be so big for Miami so I'm not ruling that out that one of those guys or both those guys step up and and really just have a big year because it feels like that's sort of been like a quiet theme for this these Hurricanes defenses these past recent years. Yeah. And in a, in a video we did for the website, right. I highlighted chance as a, I believe a potential breakout player for this year. And to me, like chances, skill set, and body type, he does remind me of Joe Jackson, right. Who had a very productive true freshman season. I don't know if chance is going to be that productive, but I think the potential's there. And I think athletic, like honestly, athletically chance is, a better defensive end than Joe Jackson. So um, the, the talent is there. They just got to put it all together. We'll see if they can do it uh, in 2021. Let's move on to the next topic, kind of big picture topic here. I'm curious on your take on this and you can go in any direction you want, right? It can be a young guy. It can be a returning veteran who's impressed you, but who has been your early surprise from camp who surprised you most from camp uh with what they're doing out in practice slash maybe even scrimmage performance 
Yeah, I mean, it's going to be someone we talked about. I mean, at this point, it's got to be Jacoby George for me. Um, you know, I guess it's it's sort of like, a, I guess, an easy answer right now. But, like, again, like what we kind of talked about in the past, I didn't expect him to really do what he's doing right now. You know, I think that's a, I think that's been – I think that's been a little bit unexpected. So I think that's a positive sign, but someone on the defensive side, I mean, just like off top, I'd probably go with even like, maybe like an Isaiah Dunson, honestly, just yeah. like the way he covered the way he's been covering honestly has been like, like just like watching him and like, I've seen him li- lined up with Michael Redding a lot. And that's another one I can go with. Michael Redding has also been really good, but Isaiah Dunson, I feel like he's like been one of those guys. that's just been like sort of there, you know, like constantly, like I haven't seen him get like blown past or anything like that. Redding's made a couple plays on him, but I kind of like the way he actually covers of, in terms of just like making things chaotic and forcing maybe a contested catch like that. I know, you know, that's not the name of the game is obviously breaking him up and not allowing anything, but I think that there's something there with Isaiah Dunson. So um, he's been a pleasant surprise too. I'll probably go Michael Redding now also, you know, after talking, I'm sorry. I know it was like three people. I was oh, you're cheating good. a little bit, I like but it. Uh, I was just kind of started going to the files there and that's what sort of came up. So I will go with a uh, returning veteran. But to me, I just think he's going to take his game to another level this year, and I'll go with running back Cameron Harris. Um, You know, I kind of entered this season thinking Jalen Knighton and or Don Chaney would overtake him eventually, you know, whether that was in fall camp or whether that was during the course of the season. Quite frankly, I don't see that happening this year. I think Cam Harris is going to be the lead back. And, you know, if he stays healthy, I think it's going to stay that way for the entire season. You know, I, I think he has really responded well to the position competition that Knighton and Cheney have provided. I think Cam has taken his game to a whole nother level. He looks very explosive in practice. You know, the little bit that we do get to watch his body is, is much stronger uh, than Knighton or Chaney right now at this stage. Uh, he's just making a lot of plays when we're out there and uh, looks really, really good to me. You know, I've been critical in the past of his vision, which I think is fair, uh, but I do think he's going to have better running lanes this year because Navon Donaldson's back in the starting lineup at guard. I think Jalen Rivers at the other guard spot is going to provide better run push up front. So I think the run lanes will, they'll be easier to find for Cam Harris this year. Um, And so for all these reasons, you know, I I would be surprised quite frankly, if Cam Harris is fully healthy the whole year, which is a big if at that position, because it's, it's a, it's a very physical position, demanding position. Uh, But I could definitely see him cracking a thousand rushing yards this year. And he'd be the first back to do that since Mark Walton in 2016. So that'd be no small feat. Um, I'm curious what your take on that is, Gabby. Do you agree? Like, do your eyes tell you that Cam Harris has been their best back out there so far? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, it, feel, it sort of feels like Cam Harris is just going to be the guy. It feels like that's the role that they're preparing him for. I mean, again, Red Lashley has, has said that he kind of wants that, that tote back. And it feels like Cam Harris is going to be that guy. And, you know, let's say, you know, I, I just, I, I think you have to feel comfortable in the fact that like, this isn't like a knock on Don Chaney or Jalen Knight right. or like, Oh, they're not good enough to play. I think that this is just what works best for this system, especially given the fact that you have that offensive line, you want that continuity. You want to get in a rhythm. They want to play fast. They don't want to be a constantly rotating guys. Like you want a guy that you can have on the field for, for three downs that, you know, is gonna, is gonna, you know, get it done. So you know, I think Cam Harris can be that guy. And then you have the luxury, which it is to me, it's a luxury of having a Don yeah. Chaney type and a Jalen Knighton where they can come in in relief and they can bring something different to the table too. And, you know, get in their own little rhythms too while Cam Harris takes a breather and then just bring him back in. But you want to have your guy. I think Cam Harris could be that guy. So I think it's a, I think it's a solid choice right there. As a program, it's what you want, right? You want yeah. the young guys pushing the older guys to be better. It's what this program has been missing for, a long time consistently at every position group. So it's nice to see that at this position group, I'll say this too, you know, you look last year. So cam was, was definitely the lead back last year. He just didn't get the bulk of the carries that lead backs normally get. But when he did uh, have at least 15 carries in a game last year, I think he did. He got that amount in three games 
in 2020. And he averaged about, I think it was like 97 yards and a touchdown in each one of those three games. So he has shown, you know, if you give him at least 15 carries, he can produce at a high level. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to get that opportunity and I think he's going to make the most of it. So let's move on to how we'll kind of wrap this up. Just kind of big picture talk, right? After one week of fall camp and, and kind of one one scrimmage. Overall, Gabby, what are your early feelings on this year's team? What do you feel like, like, what do you think is going to be the identity of this 2021 team? Each year, each college football team is different, right? That's the sport. Uh, it's a changing team, changing personnel year after year after year. So the identity changes year after year after year. What do you think the identity of this 2021 team is going to be after watching them one week of fall camp and seeing those scrimmage reports? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to just feel good about the way the offense is. How the, I just think the offense is going to be the anchor of this team. I feel like this, this team is going to go as far as De'Ara King, Rhett Lashley, and the rest of that offense takes him. Um, again, maybe the defense steps up a little bit, but I'm not expecting game, you know, world changing numbers from that group. I'm not expecting them to lead the nation in tackles for loss. Like they have in the past or, you know, take the ball away a ton of times. I'm, I'm expecting Miami to put points on the board and, you know, maybe winning a shootout or two here or there, you know, just really just having to, to take care and just take care of business on the offensive side and, you know, really just do their job there to, in order to, to win some of these ball games. And, that's not a bad thing with the way college football sort of going. It feels like a lot of, right. in a lot of ways, this is the way the game is trending. I feel like Miami's in a really good spot to sort of take advantage of this new era of offense, uh, just the way that they've implemented it with the quarterbacks, the experience, the playmakers, uh, the offensive line, everything. Um, so I think the identity of this team is, is going to be, is going to be rested on that. And how far can this offense take them? I think that's really going to be really have the, just the story of the season. And I think it's going to, really tell the story of how this thing really goes. I agree. I think, you know, I kind of think this team should be, you know, an offense that averages high thirties, low forties in points per game. And then defensively, you know, for the most part, mid twenties, high twenties, low thirties in points allowed, you know, the high thirties of course would be the better offenses. Um, But again, that, that wins you a lot of games in modern day football. In general, Gabby, I don't know if you agree, but I'm excited to watch this team. I think they will be a fun team to watch because Definitely. of the offense. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I think it's going to be, I mean, I feel like at least from a fan standpoint, like how long have we been asking for right. this offense in Miami, you know, with all the speed and all the playmakers and everything that you sort of have down here. It feels like, it feels like Miami's a little late to the party here, but definitely glad that we have it. And we have it with Rhett Lashley, who, you know, 24 seven sports just named him like the number five overall assistant in college football, you know, someone that really understands offense and how this sort of goes. So definitely excited to, to watch his team in 2021. And I think it's a pretty cool schedule, you know, just in yeah. terms of just playing Alabama. Yeah, I feel like you get a couple of cool out of conference games like Appalachian state. I mean, I think they're, they're a top quality G five opponent, Michigan state's a big brand, you know, so I feel like you're going to get a couple fun games and then you have your conference games and, you know, you have to travel to North Carolina, you know, you go to Tallahassee. I mean, I think there's a lot of, a lot of great games that, you know, people are going to be really excited to watch this team play in and uh, just a lot of big moments, potentially program like swinging year. So I think there's going to be a lot on the line and I think it's going to make for some really good Miami football. So that brings us to our next little topic here. And this is more so like record talk, right? Final regular season record. What do you feel like is the ceiling and what do you feel like is the floor for this team? Yeah. I mean, I feel like the ceiling could be what 12 regular season games. Right. So, I mean, I guess the ceiling would be like maybe 11 and one, you know, I think that that's like probably, I think that's probably like best case scenario. Honestly, I could see the floor being eight wins, eight and four, um, which I, I mean, not, awful not probably not ideal given everything that we've sort of talked about and just all the returning experience and stuff but i think if everything goes wrong for miami well not everything goes wrong for miami but if it just doesn't go as expected i mean i still think you're looking at an eight an eight win team that you know maybe potentially depending on how north carolina season goes could maybe still be potentially fighting for a spot in the in the acc coastal who really knows probably not but i mean i guess it depends on how everyone else plays but um 
yeah, I mean, that's sort of how that's sort of my take on. I agree. I think the variance on this team is, is 11 and one to eight and four. So, you know, if you're picking again, Vegas has it perfect in my opinion, nine and a half over under win total. Um, and I waver every day, whether or not I feel like it's a nine win team or a 10 win team, honestly, on paper, I feel like there's no reason why this team can't win 10 games. So, uh, I think it is a fair expectation. I, I know you'll agree with this, Gabby. It would be like eight and four, obviously, would be a, a big blow for recruiting. So it would it would definitely hurt the momentum of what Manny Diaz is building because I think we're all excited, right, about this freshman class and we, we can all kind of see it coming. Um, but they still need to stack talent on top of that freshman class to keep things going and be a team that consistently wins 10 or more games in a season, right? So... To me, 10 and 2 needs to be the expectation this year. And it'll be interesting to see if they can reach that or get better. Cause I agree. Like, there's no re like to me, North Carolina game, honestly, it's kind of a, a coin flip game. Yeah. I, I would give the edge to North Carolina because of what happened in last year's game. But both those teams, they're not, they're not that much different. And Miami gets two weeks to prepare for North Carolina, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's Let's end it with this kind of question here. Um, now that we're kind of one week into fall camp, right? We kind of have this snapshot of, of what the team might be in 2021. I'm curious, do you feel better or worse about this team uh, after one week compared to, uh, you know, before the start of fall camp? You feel better or worse today than you did, what, 10 days ago? I mean, I feel like I feel a little bit better because I feel like, you know, you were hearing obviously that everything was going well with De'Aaron King and his rehab, but to actually see him moving around and stuff, it's like, all right, like this guy is like legitimately like really not, it's, it's le- like legitimately not a concern. So I feel better in the term in the, of just about the fact that De'Aaron King is like healthy. Um, so, I mean, I, w- I would say better on that fact alone. Um, overall, like defensively, I feel like I'm about the same Um you know, as I was, I, I feel like I'm not like super high on this defense. I'm not expecting a whole ton. So, you know, I feel like I've just kind of managed my expectations there. I feel about the same there, but I mean, as a whole, literally just based on the fact that the air King's healthy and, you know, just kind of seeing the way that team is sort of operating and just kind of watching the coaches move around. It just feels like, uh, you know, this team given a full calendar year, at least offensively with like the same offensive staff defensively, I feel like there was some, some staff, um, additions in terms of just like quality wise and just like I feel like it's a better defensive staff than it was last year um so I mean I'm feeling a little bit better just after watching just really the team operate and you know seeing De'Ara King healthy yes I agree I mean I I agree with that sentiment too and uh you know to me it's not just De'Ara I feel much better year over year at running back, you know, we talked about Cam Harris I think he's going to take the next step even if he doesn't you know Jalen Knight and Don Chaney are a year older they will be better as well. Yeah. I feel much better about the outside receivers. You know, how special are they is, is kind of to be determined for sure. But I do think Charleston Rambo and Keyshawn Smith will be upgrades. And then, you know, you still have Mark Pope and D Wiggins who can make plays in their own right. Um, you know, as well as some young guys still pushing as well. I think the tight end depth, right. It's not quite as good, you know, losing Brevin Jordan, but Elijah Arroyo is the real deal. And, you know, I think he's going to be a guy who makes some plays in the second half of the season. And the offensive line, you know, I think is going to be, quite frankly, much better year over year. And I, I thought they were, you know, I would say above average last year. I think this year they have a chance to be legitimately good, um, assuming Navon Donaldson and Jalen Rivers provide that uh, physicality at guard that I've kind of been hoping Miami would have on the offensive line in the run game. So I'm pretty high on the offense. I think it's, it's going to be improved year over year. And for that reason, I, you know, and of course, De'Ara King's health, I mean, that's like 90% of the reason why I do feel better about where things are now compared to before fall camp started. So, a uh, lot to be excited about. 
with the Miami Hurricanes moving into second week of camp, kind of second scrimmage week. We'll see what they can build on. Again, want to highlight 75% off a annual subscription that gets you a year's worth of coverage, VIP coverage on the website at just 26 bucks. So uh, if you want to support this podcast, go get you a subscription and join the fun at InsideTheU.com. For David Lake, for Gabby Aruti, I guess, and David Lake. Did I do that right? I don't know. Anyways, till <laughs> next time. Take care, guys. Later, guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.